When was the last time you read your Bible? Are the sacred scriptures of Christians less important in our lives today than they once were? Is the Bible indeed still the foundation of Christian faith? Hi, my name is Dan Dick and I'm your host for Church Matters. Willard Metzger, Executive Director of Mennonite Church Canada, worries that biblical literacy has suffered to where people can no longer point to the great stories of faith in Jesus. Today we will replay Metzger's address presented to pastors and church leaders at an annual gathering of Mennonite pastors. Metzger travels extensively to visit congregations and Christians in Canada, listening and learning how Mennonite and congregations of other faith expressions reach out. He observes that people of faith and people of no faith are more open than ever to an Anabaptist Mennonite expression of Christianity. In fact, many who have never found an authentic spiritual home describe Anabaptism as a place where their minds and souls meet, a spiritual homecoming of sorts. Now is a tremendous time of opportunity, says Metzger, but he wonders if Mennonite congregations are ready. Have our Anabaptist basics in our own congregations grown stale? Have we paid sufficient attention to hearing the Word of God? Metzger is pinning his hope on churches that emphasize learning, discerning, and interpreting Scripture for our time. We'll hear Metzger's impassioned plea right after I read from his focus scripture for this address, taken from 1 Samuel 3, verse 1. Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord under Eli. The word of the Lord was rare in those days. Visions were not widespread. Here now is Willard Metzger speaking to pastors and church leaders in Winnipeg, Manitoba, recorded on February 24, 2012. Here, Metzger opens with a short quote from author, pastor, teacher, and Mennonite Anabaptist theologian, Palmer Becker. Palmer Becker, in a recent issue of Missio Dei, provides an excellent summary of Anabaptist theology in his article entitled, What is an Anabaptist Christian? I resonate with his summary. He suggests three principles that describe Anabaptism. One, Jesus is the center of our faith. The second, community is the center of our lives. And the third, reconciliation is the center of our work. Jesus is the center of our faith. Community is the center of our lives. And reconciliation is the center of our work. I think this is instructive as we strive to develop our discernment muscles in the being a faithful church process. As we continue to develop this process, we have been collecting congregational responses to see how we use Scripture in our discernment as an Anabaptist Christian community. It'll be very interesting to hear in Vancouver this summer how we as Mennonite Church Canada community presently use and interact with Scripture. As we continue in the Being a Faithful Church process, we are preparing and equipping ourselves to discern the voice of the Lord. And of course, how we understand Scripture is key. But I've also been drawn to this story of Samuel and Eli, and particularly to verse 1. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. This is an interesting description for a period of biblical history. It depicts a time of silence, 
at least when God seems silent. The inference is not one of confusion or mayhem, just silence. It conjures up memories of standing alone in the prairies on a still winter afternoon. Not a sound, no noise to break the stillness. Utter silence. Such an experience might feel relaxing and soothing, but as a descriptor of a period in biblical history, it seems disconcerting. The word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. As a context of biblical history, such silence is unnerving. Is there anything more unsettling for the people of God than to have the voice of the Lord rarely heard? Wisdom is stunted. Discernment is stifled. Direction is halted. Who can know the leading of the Spirit, the path of obedience, the journey of faithfulness, if the voice of God is not heard? For the people of God, it is a dreadful thing, a sad narrative, when the word of the Lord is rare. Such silence is not golden. I felt drawn to this descriptive phrase lately, and I've been meditating on its significance. Like a dream of the night that cannot be forgotten, I find myself returning to this verse. What would create such an environment? Why would the word of the Lord become rare? What would cause such silence? Perhaps I am sensitized to such a concerning description because, as a national church body, we are in the midst of a process of discernment. As the Mennonite Church Canada family, we are preparing to discern what God requires of us. We are equipping ourselves to discern how God requests us to be a faithful church. We anticipate hearing God speak. So I hesitate to imagine a time when the word of the Lord was rare. It causes me to shudder. There are times when silence is not welcomed. Well, this descriptor of verse 1 was setting the stage for the story that was to unfold. It was an explanation for why Eli and Samuel would be slow to recognize the voice of the Lord. They would be slow to recognize it because it was uncommon. The voice of God was not often heard. It's not that Eli and Samuel were unintelligent. It's that the word of the Lord was rarely heard, like getting a phone call from someone you haven't heard from in a decade. Recognition unfolds. But why was God's voice so infrequent? Well, some suggest that the unreceptive nature of the people had hushed the voice of God. God became quiet. It's like nobody was listening anyway. So like an irritated spouse, God resorted to the silent treatment. First Samuel 2 does detail how Eli, aware of error that needed correction, failed to act and correct the wrong. You see, God had directed priests how they should receive care for themselves and their families. As the meat of the sacrifices was boiled, the servant of the priest was to thrust a three-pronged fork into the kettle. Whatever was retrieved was to be given to the priest and his family for their sustenance. But Eli's two sons, however, demanded under threat of death that the choice cuts of meat be selected and given to them before it was boiled. 
Although the behavior was reported to Eli, the practice was not stopped. To make matters worse, Eli's sons were also sexually abusing women who served at the tent of meeting. Correction was needed, but was not realized. By his inactivity, Eli allowed greed to intimidate the innocent and gorge itself. Constraint was replaced with self-indulgence, and everyone knows greed left unchallenged is a dangerous thing. It will subtly strangle and subdue other sensitivities and impulses. Soon the voice of the Lord can no longer be heard over the demands of self. There is a significant progression seen here. Eli and his sons participated in a willful neglect of God's direction, and this neglect led to unfamiliarity with God's voice. Maybe it was not that the word of the Lord was rarely spoken. Perhaps it was that the voice of the Lord was rarely heard. I pray that the North American church will not slip into such a description. But it might do us well to look at our current context in this light. Our Canadian context does not look much better than the American statistics. A survey of 18 cities and nine provinces revealed that 58.8% of the population does not read their Bible. Menomedia and our Mennonite schools have been searching for ways to address the growing rate of biblical illiteracy in our own family of faith. This appears to be a relevant topic for us as well. Is this an early indicator of a potential growing unfamiliarity with the voice of the Lord? Although Scripture is not the only way God communicates, it is a critical platform for understanding God's voice. Any decrease in engagement with Scripture is a concern for the community of faith and could potentially lead to neglect of God's direction. It may not be a willful neglect, but it would be neglect nonetheless. It will be difficult for us to discern what it means to be a faithful church if we are not intuitively and intentionally attuned to the voice of the Lord, could there be things we have allowed ourselves to drift from? Does Becker's summary of historical Anabaptism still reflect our spiritual practice? Are we already aware of the corrective direction God might give us if we were to ask? Are we intuitively aware of that which we may have been neglecting? You see, as history would have it, the persecution of 16th century Anabaptism came to an end and the remaining movement continued to live, but not before many people who deemed obedience to God to be of greater value than their livelihood and safety and lost their lives. Hundreds of years later, though, we find ourselves as bearers of the Anabaptist vision. And like in 16th century Europe, we find ourselves in a time of great ferment. In 16th century Europe, peasants were revolting against a disparity of wealth. Landowners were extracting unjust taxes. The church had become entangled in the extraction of wealth through the collection of taxes, and respect for the clergy was decimated. There was a political revolution occurring, and alongside this political unrest, 
the church was experiencing a reformation. Today, we too are seeing global dissatisfaction. It has been most recently manifested in the occupation movement in our cities across North America. There is increasing demand for a more just distribution to wealth and greater equity for the ability to acquire wealth. The strategy of consuming our way into better days is being challenged. A new generation of consumers are beginning to question their appetites. And as people look for answers, they are noting that the bulk of the North American church is found within the context of wealth. As part of the consumer fabric, the majority of church folk are found in the middle to upper middle class segments of society. Now, this is not a value judgment. It is simply another descriptor. Religious researchers are suggesting we are at the cusp of another reformation-like shift in church life. The disparity between an ailing world and many of its inhabitants and the socioeconomic security of much of the church is being noted. There is growing call for change. In the midst of this context of spiritual restlessness, political dissatisfaction, economic nervousness, and societal anxiety, we find 21st century Anabaptists, keepers of the call for radical discipleship, commitment to community, and a centered focus on Jesus. Young, developing church leaders are looking at Anabaptism and recovering its emphasis. In a recent conference looking at the future of the church, a leader of another denomination was speaking of the great paradigm shift that we are approaching. And when asked what churches should be doing, he responded by saying, become Anabaptist. Fuller Theological Seminary in California is developing a department of Anabaptist studies. An Anglican priest in Edmonton describes himself as an Anabaptist Anglican. New students of historical Anabaptism are hearing the voice of the Lord and responding. Could it be said that being Mennonite might no longer necessarily mean you are Anabaptist? Prior to becoming executive director of Mennonite Church Canada, my role with World Vision Canada included doing a lot of traveling with Tony Campolo. And Tony consistently called the church in Canada and United States to a greater alignment of applying the gospel to issues of poverty and social justice. He was fervent in his call to action and would constantly challenge me by asking, where are the Mennonites? They should be leading the charge in this awakening. Across Canada, I am seeing an increasing attraction to Anabaptism, especially among the young adult population. I mentioned this to faculty at Columbia Bible College in Abbotsford, B.C., and one of the professors corrected me by saying, it's not so much that young adults are being attracted to Anabaptism as it is that they are being attracted to Jesus. And Anabaptism, with its focus on the life of Jesus, fits that yearning well. I tell you, the Spirit of God is moving. The voice of the Lord is being heard. If we do not lift up the Anabaptist understanding of the gospel, others will gently take it from us and live out its call to radical discipleship without us. 
as benefactors of a commitment to radical discipleship, let us rise up to our historical responsibility. We need strong congregations and courageous pastors. We need audacious Mennonite communities who are fearless in living out and proclaiming the gospel. We need communities and families committed to simple living as a spiritual discipline designed to promote economic justice and challenge reckless earth-decaying consumption. We need Mennonite business leaders to continue to model a pursuit for profit that is as much about generosity as it is about personal gain. We have such models, and the church is stronger because of them. But this evening... I want to encourage you to listen to your heart, my friend. The Spirit of the Lord is speaking, and hungry hearts everywhere are hearing it. This is the time for Mennonite business leaders to forge a bold new direction and apply their entrepreneurial savvy and experience to the cause. We need students and young adults to find fresh ways of making radical discipleship a compelling vision. Both in Canada and around the world, we need 21st century Anabaptists ready to re-engage a vital expression of God's grace. Our understanding of the core of the gospel is simple. Jesus is the center of our faith. Community is the center of our lives. Reconciliation is the center of our work. This is the gospel people want to see. This is the gospel people want to experience. This is the gospel people are ready to embrace. There was a time when the voice of the Lord was rare, but this is not such a time. Even in the story of Samuel, God's passion could not be held back. It refused to be muted. In the stillness of the night, it reached out to the young, the innocent, those still receptive. And a name was spoken, and a child heard it. I'm sure there are those in the Mennonite Church Canada family who feel that the voice of the Lord is rare. But the foundation of the being a faithful church process is the belief that if the people of God listen, God will speak. God's passion is aroused by open and receptive hearts. Such an invitation mercy refuses to ignore. As people of faith, a people attuned to the voice of the Lord, let us remain open to both the obvious and the subtle. Both may contain the voice of the Lord. And when our Samuel, our Samuel, describes what has been heard or discerned, May we all join in unison together in saying, Speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. Amen. That's all for today's Church Matters. Thanks to all our listeners, wherever you are. Church Matters is made possible by the generous support of listeners like you. Thanks. We couldn't do it without you. If you would like to help us continue the program or support other Mennonite Church Canada ministries, call 1-866-888-6785 or visit MennoniteChurch.ca. Finally, Happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. May the word of the Lord be plentiful to you and your family on this day. My name is Dan Dick and you've been listening to Church Matters. Know that you are called, equipped, and sent to be the church in the world today. Thanks for listening.
As you go out from here, may the Lord go with you. The face of God shine on you every day. We are sent by God wherever we are living, salt and light as people of the way.